I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome back to the Pop Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Groves, and I am back with another guest along the lines of entrepreneurship. And I found her through Jill Berger. I'm going to give you a shout out yet again. She shared a little bit about her story, but I always do research on these guests before I invite them on my show. And I read a little bit about her story and knew immediately that she would be a perfect guest for this podcast, just based off of her work ethic that I could tell from her history, as well as her outlook on life and throughout her journey with entrepreneurship. So I'm super happy to have Elliot Gaino, hopefully I pronounced that right, the CEO and founder of Booty Bag on the podcast. Say hello. Hello, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I wanted to start off this episode. A, I want you to give a little bit of background on who you are to the audience. And then from there, we're going to get dive right in to your business and how you got there. Cool. I started Booty Bag six years ago. Um, I was a hairdresser originally, so I kind of did it as a side hustle before side hustles were cute and trendy. Um, I was very embarrassed that I had a side hustle. I was doing it kind of in the privacy of my then boyfriend's basement. Um, Again, I was like just working several jobs. I had no background in business. I went to cosmetology school. So for me, it was very much a humble beginning. Um, I was going to Norsham's Rack, digging through the sales bins, finding underwear that was cute, handwriting the notes, going to the post office, delivering it. And I had Instagram come out at that time. I was looking at how other brands were using it. And I was like, this is such an easy way of exposure. I can afford to, you know, play in this space as far as like advertising goes. Um, Influencer marketing wasn't a thing. So it was shockingly easy and cheap and a really good vessel to get the brand in front of new eyes. Um, so I was using that to use as marketing. And within like six months, I had realized that my hatred of underwear shopping was mutually shared. Um, I was getting people that were friends of friends and then just complete random women signing up for the brand, you know, writing me in and being like, wow, like this is so awesome. I love that it's affordable. I love that it's not a bill in the mail. I love that you know, I'm seeing women that look like me on the feed because at that time, a lot of the advertising was editorial. It was Victoria's Secret, Angels, yada, yada. So it just wasn't the authentic content that you kind of now assume brands will do. Um, So I started that way and then outgrew, thankfully, going to the mall and doing the bins, um, private label. And now I manufacture and produce my own line um, overseas. And we've expanded from like just being an underwear brand to doing athletic wear, um, lounge wear, swim, you name it. So kind of a seasonal drop every month. That's so cool. You really expanded your brand. And as I did a little bit of research on you, you came from entrepreneurial parents. So my first question to you is, how do you feel that's impacted your journey of starting a business at such a young age? I think for me, I mean, my journey definitely was like 
a sink or swim. You know, I didn't have the luxury of like not figuring it out. Um, I decided to move in with a boyfriend at a very young age of like, you know, 20 something didn't go to college. And my parents were kind of like, all right, you think you're, you know, able to do that. Like you're able to pay your own bills in your own way. Um, so I had to kind of make things work, which is what I think drove me because there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough, um, safety net to fail, you know? So for me, I think I also have to see them both run, run companies, manage people. It was very much fluid of like, you could start your own thing. I had that as an example. So mine was like a naive, like, well, of course I'll just do this, you know, yeah. like how hard could it be? Um, turns out it's really fucking hard. So that, <laughs> <laughs> that was not, but I think the night, like the hustle and the, like being so naive of thinking it's going to be so easy. That was like, oh, of course, like, let's go. <laughs> I'll just put it underwear in a bag. It should be fine. I think it's, and I've actually said this before, that sometimes not knowing certain situations allows you to go out and do it because you always hear, my mentor says this, he's like, if someone told me what I know now about the real estate industry, I don't know if I would have ever gone into it. But since I didn't know, I went down that path. So I want you to elaborate a little bit more on having that mindset and being naive. And how do you feel that's impacted your success? Because you didn't know a lot of the challenges that you were going to go through before you launched yourself into entrepreneurship. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of get running your own startup, you get like the business 101, right? Like there's, for me, that's how I learned. I mean, I learned by doing and I won't make a mistake hopefully twice. (laughs) So for me, you know, on the second venture that I've done, it's been nice to have that like degree, if you will, it's definitely helped for venture number two, but um, for booty bag. And when I first got started, everything is so fun and so new that the failures didn't hurt as bad. They're like learning experiences and growth opportunities. Um, And every time I failed, I was able to overcome it and succeed, you know, like fail forward, that kind of mindset. And I think that's what kept it interesting to me as well. Like the challenges were just as rewarding as the failures or the, 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 the wins, I should say. I usually ask this question towards the end of the episode, but I feel like now is a good gateway. How are there certain things that you do or say to yourself when you're going through certain challenges or failures in whether it's personal or professional? I think in the beginning, I honest, I mean, I did not handle it well. I mean, the anxiety that, you know, the circles that you can kind of run in your head. And then the more that I got into it and the more that I failed, which was like 90% of the 100%, right? (laughs) I kind of have now gotten to a space where I'm really comfortable knowing that whatever happens is going to play out. Not in the mentality that I'll ever make decisions ill-willed or based poorly, but I, I feel like I have a good network. I feel like I genuinely show up the way I want to, that I'm making decisions that I feel are best for the business, that I've hired people that are the best for those roles and that we've collaborated and we, you know, this is the best option forward and I do it. And if it doesn't work out, you know, there is either a game plan or that's part of my story. And I think not identifying with failure in a way that's going to make or break me as a person has allowed me to, you know, lead lead better and show up for the brand better is there a hurdle what's one of the biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome and how did you overcome it uh i think it's i 
I mean, there's been time <laughs> so not getting so many, but you know, when anything revolves around a big chunk of money is always the most sensitive, right? So that's the ones I kind of go back to. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, you kick yourself over and over again. You're like, whoa, <laughs> seriously? Um, if I only, but I have had many failures that revolve around lack of education, like I mentioned. And when you're growing and you're trying to scale, the failures become really big as far as like cash goes. Um, and I'm bootstrapped. So everything that I can kind of think off off the top, top of my head is um, mistakes that I either didn't know you know, you don't know what you don't know scenario. And I didn't know what I was looking for. And I think that is the hardest thing about my position of like not having background is and being naive is that you think you're making the right decisions. And then you get totally side, you know, I didn't even know that you were supposed to pay taxes when I first started and like okay, sales tax, and yeah. like just basic things that like, you know, what a cash flow sheet. I mean, things that you would be like, mm, yeah, business 101, <laughs> but I just totally missed it. And, you know, yeah. made huge cash flow, all the things. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've made so many mistakes, but I mean, also running a business, going through COVID, going through everything that has happened recently in the world and the pandemic, I mean, importing, I'm pretty proud to still show all those mistakes. You know, I'm like, okay, we're still standing, we're still surviving. And I think I'm, I'm good with that. You said a quote and it's funny because something happened in my life last week that was totally unexpected. And one of my best friends always reminds me of this. She's like, rejection is redirection. And I know this is something that you touched on a little bit. I want you to elaborate more on that concept of in your mind and how you apply that when you're going through those challenges and failures in your own life. I mean, I have to say like gratitude for me is probably the base. Being humble and grateful for what I have is makes it very easy for it to be taken away from me, if that makes sense. And I don't know if that if that's translating correctly, but I feel grateful enough to have had the experience that I've had and what I've learned that even if everything was to go away tomorrow, I don't think you could take the lessons, the experience, the all those different feelings and memories from me. So I feel like even at this point in this chapter, I'm good, you know, and, and I can do it again and maybe it looks different and it would totally suck. But I think I have enough confidence to rebuild and I didn't have that before. So I think I'm very, and maybe that's why I feel very like able to go with the flow, good or bad is because I kind of don't identify with, it's already a success to me, I guess, is what I should say. How do you feel you got there? Because I think there's someone listening to this on the other side that's either going through something tough or maybe they're riding a high wave and they're looking for that shift in perspective that you have, that even if everything that I've worked so hard for over the last four years, like this resonates so much with me, that feels like it got taken away. How can you just allow yourself to feel, I think, and also continue that perspective of, I would not be this person even today, even if all of this got taken away, if that makes sense. How did I get to that mindset? Yeah. You know, I think for me, the ident- not identifying with the brand, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to hide enough behind the scenes where I didn't have to be booty bag. You know, if people on the trolls, if they didn't like the underwear drop or if they didn't like something about the service. It had nothing to do with me where 
there's a lot of people that run brands that they're the face, you know, it's still, it still hurts. Don't get me wrong. I still took it personal, but it never had to be my identity. And I think I, in the beginning, attached a lot of the success to me. And when I've come into the place of like, I, you know, I've almost lost the brand several times, whether that was just poor cash flow management or, you know, the life of what's happened. And that didn't have to be that I was unsuccessful and being able to separate that again and just be like, you know, I'm not my brand. Like that doesn't have to be the wins are great and the failures are great, but they're not defining who I am. And I think that's where I'm able to be like, okay, <laughs> would it be embarrassing to lose the brand? Of course. Like, do I want that to happen? No, it'd be painful, but it doesn't make or break who I am or what I've built. How did you overcome at the beginning? I know you mentioned this at the beginning, so I'm going to circle back a little bit of the embarrassment of having a side hustle because that's something that even my friends, I hesitate sometimes telling people about the podcast because I think it can be embarrassing and you feel that. I mean, I've had people like, oh, you're narcissistic or oh, you're this. And I've learned to let it go. But how did you overcome that in your own life of feeling uneasy about having a side hustle to now making that into a super successful brand? You know, I wish I had, I hid the brand for a very long time because I was embarrassed. Um, you know, I had told people originally and I kind of got laughed at. Um, my parents are conservative, so they weren't necessarily so excited that I was like posting in my underwear on social media. So it wasn't something that it was like, look what I'm doing. And I didn't feel qualified to do it. And I still don't, but I feel like I had to let go of what everyone else thinks in order to be successful. I you know, had to go on Shark Tank. And of course I was like, well, what if people, what if I look ugly or I don't like my face or what if I forget my numbers or, yeah. I mean, there were so many things, but I was like, who fucking cares what everyone else thinks? Like this isn't, if I cared, I would have never started. So, you know, why stop me now? And I think everyone's so busy obsessing about what they think everyone else thinks that they're not paying attention to what you're doing. I really, I do believe that <laughs> they care more about themselves. So yeah, I think I've had to let go of that, but I can totally relate to like you and doing a podcast and how personal that is of people judging you versus a brand. And what you just said earlier about not identifying yourself with your success is something that I literally just got my eyes woken up to is that. I haven't, like, well, I guess my solar episode be out, but like I found out I lost my job. Like I got laid off of my job and it came out of complete and total shock. And the one thing, the first thing I said was that I completely lost, like my identity, I felt like for so long was my career. And so what you just said of not allowing your success to be who you are and really separating that, I feel like was the lesson in all of this. And I think the podcast has definitely helped with that. In terms of turning a booty bag, we're going to touch a little bit more on side hustles. When did you know that this was no longer a side hustle and there was actually an opportunity to make a significant amount of money and go on Shark Tank? Well, again, I mean, I've done everything just totally backwards. So it's funny, like, <laughs> you know, like I feel like when people ask me things, I'm like, well, that's not how it happened, but how would I do it? Elaborate on backwards. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Well, you know, I went on Shark Tank should be a vessel when you're kind of first starting out. I mean, that's how the shows there's everything now. But yeah. when the show started, I think the concept was like pitching your business. I already had a successful business. 
I didn't need the funding. I was go, you know, it was basically it was waiting for me to be confident enough to go on it versus like my brand had been mature enough to go years previous to that. Got it. So, um, your question, your question was, how did you know it was a, how'd you know that it was no longer just a side hustle and that it was actually, there's more opportunity. Again, I mean, I was never out to like make a big brand. You know, it was like I wanted to, there was always means to an end. Like I was always looking to do this, do hair. And then, you know, when I realized like, oh, I could just do this, then it was like, do this. My milestones were always very like attainable and small. They were never like being Amazon, being Walmart, like being on Shark Tank. Like none of those things happened. It was just like one foot in front of the other. And again, I was, trying to figure it all out and just like take it all in and just hope that I can like see another day. So for me, it was, yeah, it was definitely one foot in front of the other. In terms of going on Shark Tank, I know we're kind of already there on that topic. I want you to give your experience on Shark Tank. I know Jill Berger touched a little bit on it, but how was that experience for you? And what did you learn about yourself throughout that entire process? I mean, it was, it was interesting because I think that a lot of the motivation for me to do it, besides that it was obviously great for the brand, was that I really felt like I needed to, when we applied to do it and the team got really excited about it, I really felt like I owed them to get up there to represent the brand. I've had the women work for me for, since I basically started. So being able to get up there, show them how much I've grown be confident in what we've built and to represent that, that was a bigger accomplishment for me than like the exposure and what happened. Um, I also have like a severe stage fright as well. Like I've gone up on panels and like nothing's come out of my mouth before. And so like to do stuff like this is like very, um, it's a win, you know, for me. So yeah, I mean, I, I felt more like I, was motivated by my team to get up there and do a good job than I was to do it for the brand. And I think that's what I kind of feel in general for the brand. You seem very humble in a, I don't know how to describe it. Like even just from, I mean, we're sitting across Zoom, obviously she's in New York City and I'm here, but just like feeling your energy. I'm like, you seem very humble, very wise but I don't know. I'm like, I can, I see that in you. Like I could not see you being shy, but I feel like there's a level of humility that I feel like is very admirable because there's, I've sat across from some entrepreneurs that are quite literally the opposite of that. So I feel like that's something that's super admirable. And I can definitely feel that just from this conversation being on Shark Tank. What was the outcome of that? Did you end up on TV or what was that whole experience like? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I can't watch the episode really back. I watched it one time when it aired and that was like pretty cringe for me. um, It was, it was, I mean, it was perfect. And I'll leave it there as far as like, that's how I want to memorize it and never watch it again. But um, I got offers, which was great. I mean, I had words come out of my mouth, which was even better and more, you know, more exciting. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't believe I like, could speak. I was like, this is the best. <laughs> and I just assumed that I was like, well, if I don't say anything, they won't air it. So it, it, it will, <laughs> it will be, 
If I mute, uh, no one can hear me from the other side of the screen. <laughs> the criticism wouldn't be that bad, right? So I remembered my numbers and I, you know, I just felt so happy to be there for yeah. the brand that it was it was perfect. And then I ended up, you know, closing a deal on TV and not closing in real life. Um, but just that they val I mean, they validated the the brand and what we were doing. Um, and they had nothing but nice things to say. So it was overall a feel good moment and maybe validated me too much where I was like, wow, this was awesome when I didn't really need it. So I think it was an all over a good experience. A little confidence boost, a little ego boost. (laughs) What advice would you give for someone that is thinking about going on the show or who is about to experience being on the show or going through that process for the first time? I mean, I, again, I think you learn the preparation for it at least for me in my experience, I mean, you don't want to embarrass yourself, right? So for me, it's like, you really learn your business, you really learn your numbers, you you really like, I, I didn't go to college. So like, it was like the only test I've really ever taken as an adult. So the education piece, and then being able to present yourself to speak well, to engage an audience, like, it taught me so much that I can't imagine not doing that experience if it was gotten um, presented to you. Um, I also think besides that, I mean, the exposure is insane for the brand and you end up getting a lot of opportunities from it, regardless if you close a deal or not. And I think if you carry yourself well and you're not over, you know, cocky and those things, nothing bad can really happen to you. They're very nice people. It's so interesting. My mom and I always watch that show. We're like, the intensity that's on the show and just the whole experience. I think it's a little fake. Oh, okay. It is? I'm like, they're scary. They're scary. Like, they're mean to people. (laughs) I think it's how you carry yourself, though. You know, I don't think... I think the only times I've ever watched it where I felt that way, you know, it's a little bit like ego-driven from the founder's side. Yeah. Um, or they take things personally. I mean, you, you know, they're just, they're there to make some TV too. So like there's suspenseful music, the lighting's dark. But when I left, I was like, man, these are like the nicest people. You kind of felt like, wow, are we, are we best friends now? Or like, <laughs> it was fabulous. And I've heard, so you and Jill, and then I, I don't know if you're familiar with Helen Hall, but I've, uh, talked about her a little bit on the podcast before, but she had an experience and I know the sharks afterwards still reached out to her and they still like kept in contact and gave her advice. So even if your show doesn't air or you don't get the money offered to you, I feel like just the experience as a whole and the connections and the relationships that you build is there. You can't put a price tag on that. So I feel like that's even the silver lining at the end of it. If it didn't go the direction that you were hoping for. Totally. I mean, and I mean, they're extremely smart, talented people, you know, maybe it hurts to hear, you know, their opinion about your business and maybe they're not necessarily right, but you could always take their opinion and like, look at it and better yourself. So I don't feel, I mean, how cool is it to pitch to like a Mark Cuban of the world? Right. I mean, talk about uh, just, there has to be something that you would take away and be like, Oh, I didn't think about that. Or how can I be, you know, looking at this differently? Is there a piece of advice or feedback that they gave you that you implemented into your business shortly after that you saw a significant amount of success from? If you can share that. Yeah, no, I think for me, it was more if they, 
them and other people that have looked at my business um, from like an investing side, they all have similar strands of thoughts. So it validated a lot of that for me. Um, for us, I mean, our margins in the underwear business as an e-com aren't fabulous. You know, yeah. we are affordable um, underwear subscription. We're not going to be a multi-billion dollar brand um, unless we do other things. So that had a lot to do with like the conversations they were having. Um, and they were not necessarily the first time I heard them. So it just kind of validated a lot of things for for me. In terms of your business and how it's grown, are there two to three things that you've learned about yourself or whether it's personal or professional when trying to scale a business as big as yours? Oh my God, there's so many things. I mean, I think <laughs> I've like trying to run a brand at 24 years old. I mean, I didn't even know who I was, you know? And so that journey too of like, how lucky I feel that my team has stuck through that of like finding myself, re reinventing myself and then showing up as a leader, reinventing that person as well. Like you morph so much. And I feel like I hope that I'm consistently changing. Um, but I mean, my biggest lessons is like really setting down the like foundation of who I want to be and not changing those things, you know, like what my core values are. Um, and how I lead through those and how that is like a constant reminder of like, am I making decisions based off my values? And do I feel good about those decisions? You know, and that even though I evolve and change, those generally stay the same. How have you, I think it can be hard when you're when there's money involved to stick to those core values and make decisions as a leader, you've seen businesses fail or co-founders splitting up. A lot of downfalls come when people are making decisions out of their values or out of things that are morally in tune with who they are. How have you done that for yourself? And are there certain ways that you check in with yourself of like, hey, this is not in alignment with a value that I have. And then this is what I do to get back on track and make sure I'm leading my team in the right way. I mean, I can't, I don't, nothing comes to my mind like specifically, but I feel like, and I don't know if this is like, just kind of a cop out to the question, but like, <laughs> I feel like my gut has almost never been wrong, mm. you know? And I think I've listened. I haven't, I didn't learn to listen to it in the beginning because I devalued my lack of education. I was like, I don't know, you know? So I'd, I would say, Oh yeah, of course, let me defer to him or <laughs> do yeah. this because everyone else says it, everyone else is doing it. And like, you, I kind of just got confused. Right. Um, and not necessarily that they were morally incorrect, but they just weren't in line with what I wanted to do or how I wanted to show up. And it was because I just didn't have enough confidence in myself. And then like, you know, getting in year six and kind of like failing enough to be like, it's part of this, you know, you're going to make a decision whether, you know, homeboy says it <laughs> and it's a failure or I like stand by it. And I, I, you know, like you're, you're going to fail. Yeah. Regardless, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, okay, well, if we're going to fail, I want to feel like I own that decision. Not that I didn't listen to my gut or, I kind of thought something was off, but I did it anyway. So I feel like just having confidence in my decision making and myself and relying on those like those values too to like guide me on that. 
listening to your gut is something that almost every single person on my podcast has said, whether they're an entrepreneur or not. And I talked a little about this on a previous episode of like knowing between like intuition and ego, because I think sometimes we can mix up the two. We think that our intuition is talking to us or maybe it's fear and it's your ego that's trying to talk you out of a decision but I feel like when you really know yourself and you tune inwards you know that the decision that you're making feels peaceful when it's or you know it's the right decision when you feel at peace with the decision because that's what your intuition is really guiding you towards yeah I mean it's hard I mean it's hard right when the the when like you you just said it like the money thing is it definitely is interesting plan. I don't have a co-founder, um, which I think I, there would have been definite fights being 24 years old and having <laughs> a co-founder and all that. Um, you're definitely, I was definitely better off without one, but yeah. when money is involved, I mean, and the fear of losing or, you know, things entirely and the identity crisis and all of that, I mean, it's definitely hard to navigate and your gut, although you feel like you can trust it, it it's, it's hard to read. Definitely takes years. Being in your 20s, I think, is hard enough. I'm 26, so I can't speak for the last four years of my 20s. What advice would you give your 24-year-old self that's about to go on and embark on this journey of entrepreneurship? I mean, so many things. The first things that come to mind are like, just be easy on yourself. I mean, so although I keep saying this and kind of beating this, the failure part is so, uh, I mean, it's draining, right? And you, you feel like, you just feel like I'm doing more failing. How am I really, how am I really taking steps forward? Sorry, my but life. Like that is all, <laughs> you know, you, it is like you fail forward and then you wake, you know, you're up and then you're failing again. I mean, you're, all you're doing is failing as a founder. Like you just get used to being wrong. You think, you know, you don't know, and you just have to like, let go of all of that. So I think just being kind about that experience um, and where I probably like settle now is like, you know, I made the best decision. Let's see how this pans out. And if it doesn't, can I reroute it? And if it doesn't, you know, like there's always something, right? So like being easy on myself, I think would be a good one. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think I was so insecure about the fact that I didn't have the, you know, degree or, whatever everyone else would say like you know who are you to do this right like what qualifies you to lead or you know hiring people that were older than me um but there's a reason why it works and there's something unique to you and your journey and people can't take that away or qualify that with you know things of like external references if you will or qualifications i just think you have to have confidence in yourself which takes time. And I love that you talk so much about failures because I think those failures teach you something about yourself or about the journey that you're on that you really didn't know before. And that's definitely something that I've learned in my own life is that when things fall apart, it's usually because something better is coming my direction for you, as you launched the booty bag, you said six years ago, what's your vision or how has your vision changed over the last two to three years? And where do you see it going over the next three to five years? As far as brand wise? Yeah. It's been an interesting road again. 
I mean, you really have to figure out how to let go of your ego because for, and this is maybe just in my scenario, but I really do a lot of like community um, as far as like taking every feedback, every comment, the good, the bad, the ugly, we use that to design the brand. So for us, it really has nothing to do with what I want the brand to be. I mean, you know, how I lead, how the team interacts with the community, that of course we have full control over. But as far as, you know, what they want us to do or um, produce or talk to, or like even the content that like is coming, the content's generally generated from the user anyway. So a lot of what I'm doing is just taking their ideas and their, you know, their wants and, and producing that for them. In terms of letting go on ego, and I know we just touched a little bit on like customer demands, how important do you feel it is obviously listening to customer feedback and you hear this a lot of you need to listen to feedback and take what people say, but also stand ground, like stand your ground and stay true to you are. What advice would you give for people who are in a space like you are where you're serving clients and they are probably giving a lot of different opinions, but not letting that ultimately change the vision that you have for the company? Yeah, that's great. Um, so it's interesting. I feel like my biggest lesson has been the uh, the trolls or the complainers aren't necessarily your audience, which I think is I, I'm have to go. We, we're a social media brand, right? Yeah. And the loudest people aren't necessarily the ones that you need to be listening to the most. True. And that was always so confusing to me because I would be like, oh my god, <laughs> you know, all the comments. I don't want this. Oh my god, and we change and and then it'd come out and totally flop. And I'd be like, yeah. But why? You guys said you wanted it. So, I mean, yes, I'm taking those things, but I'm taking surveys. I'm, you know, really looking at who our base is and figuring out, you know, where our consumer is living, how they're giving us the feedback, validating it against like, you know, what we see from the reporting, making sure that like, does that make sense? Are these two things that are, you know, the same? And then you kind of use both to make the decisions. I mean, you can't just listen to the loudest person in the room because they're not really representing the whole community correctly. So that's how I now, you know, lead the community like conversations. And it's funny because every once in a while, someone new comes on, they're like, did you hear? And I'm like, no, no, check this (laughs) stat against it. And they're like, that's so interesting. I'm like, I know it's so confusing. (laughs) So yeah, the loudest ones are not always, um, like what's really going to move the needle for you. So just really figuring out like what metrics you need to look at that are telling you what what story you want to look look for. Was there a point or an instance that happened that you came to that conclusion? I feel like I I know this that the loudest people usually have the strong like they're either saying they hate it or they love it. It's kind of like a review on a restaurant. People are either like I love this restaurant or I freaking hate this restaurant. So was there like an instance where you were like, okay, this was the identifier that maybe this feedback is not coming from the ideal people that we're trying to serve? Yeah, I mean, we would launch products all the time just based off of comments, you know? And oh, okay. And- just because, I mean, that is where our community lies. So I just assumed that that meant that, you know, it would be a home run if we were just reading the commentary, but there was so much data that we had to like look at and support it before we make those decisions, especially when it comes to um, products. What's your biggest piece of advice for building an online community? I mean, again, like it's like, it's really not about, me you know it has nothing to do with it's i'm facilitating 
a want and a need and figuring out what metrics to look at and you know what the market looks at what the competition's doing who you know what the opportunity is who isn't doing this and they're asking for this and you know making sure that we're making just smart consumer decisions and putting that together and giving them what they want but uh, you know there's products that i wouldn't wear or don't love and it has nothing to do with me right so it's like well yeah. that's what they want so and sometimes like the designs that i'm like oh my gosh no way are like the best selling designs and it, so it doesn't matter or i'll be like i this is so cute i love this and they'll be like i hate this so it, <laughs> <laughs> you're like okay now i hate it too yeah, because like, well, i've been wearing it for yeah so like it, yeah it's like well if you're ellie if you're the only person that's gonna buy it doesn't matter right so, yeah <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, everything from like how I did the packaging to how I communicate to them. I mean, if we like survey and they want recycling, like they're recycled something or they want biodegradable, like we're doing it. It's about them. So, yeah. um, Yeah. So, I mean, again, just like kind of letting it go about like what you think is best and just allowing them to tell you. And, And right now, I mean, especially with social you see so much like behind the scenes or what's going on, or they want so much access to brands and they think they have the right to do, do so that they like being part of it. So you give them the reins and, you know, let them kind of guide you. It's also allowing different perspectives in because I, you, and this was another question that I had uh, towards the beginning, but I'm going to ask it now. You founded Booty Bag because of a a problem that you were solving in your own life, which is almost consistent across the board with most entrepreneurs. They find something that's a problem in their own life and then they solve the solution with their business. For you and what you launched, how have you seen that solution grow and change from when you initially were like, hey, it's an issue with like, I don't like picking out underwear to what it's grown into now? Well, I think when I first started again, like just at needing to just be mathematically better for me in life, yeah. I like, I have thought of it as, you know, subscription boxes were out, but nothing really resonated with me. Um, I wanted something that was affordable. Like it almost just checked the box, right? Yeah. And then it, I started putting it on Instagram and, you know, building a community and realized like, wow, these women like genuinely hate the way, you know, their underwear experience is. Like they're either insecure, they don't feel confident or comfortable, yeah. or don't resonate with the marketing that was getting displayed to them. And it was like such a big, like personal journey than it was just like, how I had thought of my underwear shopping. I was like, I don't like to do it. Yeah. Like I couldn't really afford to go to Victoria's Secret. Secret so yeah. like, no, it's expensive. It was like, yeah, it was expensive. I was digging through the sales bins. I mean, but every time I got the pair, I was like, wow, I, I love this. Like it makes you feel sexy and confident. Yeah. And little did I know, like, I mean, back again, like we had like big branded, like booty bag things. And women were like, actually, I really want it to be discreet. Like, do you mind? Like, do, do you have that option? So then we made the packaging discreet. So again, like just allowing them to kind of tell me what the brand wanted to be and then being able to like facilitate that for them. 
How have you let go of control? You mentioned the term flow earlier, which I think is super important. I think some entrepreneurs get really stuck in in an idea at the very beginning, and then it starts to evolve and change and pivot, and they can sometimes get flustered or feel like it's not going as they had originally had planned. What advice would you give for someone that is starting to get feedback other in those initial stages of starting a business and things are starting to pivot to just allow things to flow and they'll move in the direction that they're supposed to go? Yeah, it's so big. I mean, I was just so happy to get orders, you know, that I, it wasn't really about like the product for me. It was like, wow, I can't believe this is like, I can't believe it's working. Like what is working? I just want to feed that more because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. Yeah. And so I was obsessed with just making them happy. And so to me, it wasn't like I was set on it being X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And it's, and I also feel like I'm so used to being wrong, whether that's decisions internally or not, that it's like, it's just such my like leadership style too, to just like tell, you know, how I communicate with my staff is like, tell me how I can show up better for you. What's not working so then I can cater my leadership to best fit you. You know, it's just, it's so such a better flow that way than it is. Have I in the beginning, you know, been like, this is who I am, you know, adapt to me. So I just, I feel like I've handled both communities internally and out the same. Was there an event in your life that triggered you or prompted you to lead and be the type of person that you are? Because just again, based off this conversation, you you don't seem like a lot of entrepreneurs who are telling what to do or trying to control situations or just being that alpha personality that I feel a lot of people are. You seem to just be a lot more mellow. Was there a specific point in your life that led you to lead and be that type of person? I just... I Have you always been like this? <laughs> no, I had, um, I think the leadership in my life was very different okay. and it never made me feel good. Um, and I, I think what I love about what I do and how that comes out is that I want people to feel that way about how I treat them, you know, and I want them to show up and love it and, um, feel good about what they're doing. And that's so important to me that I, I feel better as a person as well and a leader, but it's also interesting because when I tried a different approach, you know, when I said I was 24 trying to figure it out and leading differently in the beginning, things didn't flow. You know, it was jammed. It didn't make sense. It didn't feel good. My gut didn't really like it. I didn't like the way I was leading and feeling like after I closed my computer, like just didn't feel good. And then when I started doing stuff that I'm like, you know, asking my employees, like, what can I do better? Or like, Give me honest feedback. Like what what's what's causing this issue? You know, yeah. figuring out like how to use that feedback in a way of like, I agree with this, I disagree with this, but like open communication. Um and just allow people to tell me how I want them to be treated. I think that was like my biggest pivot point of like, I don't know everything. I know that. So, you know, help me figure out a way to learn more. I love that answer. There's always, there's some that have had an event where they're like, and I think you kind of hit on it, there's leadership. And that's something that I've learned of how I want to be a leader is learning what not to do because I've had some bad experiences that I look back on now. And once I reflect, I'm like, I just would never want someone to feel the way that I felt being on the receiving end of that leadership. And so now I know going forward that I would never lead or want people to leave my presence feeling that way. So I think that's super 
important. But I don't think necessarily to answer your question, it comes naturally. You know, I mean, just even not like losing my shit. I think I have like <laughs> quick tempered sometimes and like, you know, just being able to apologize when things do go wrong and be like, you know, I didn't, you know, by the way, that didn't go the way I wanted it to go or foresaw it going. Yeah. I like to apologize. I mean, I feel like I do a lot of that as well. Or, you know, put myself in the situation again and be like, hey, how am I going to show up this time differently? But it's a trained behavior. It's definitely not one that like, it'd be so much easier to like yeah. <laughs> fly off the sometimes when you want to. But yeah, I mean, you just, you, you're human, right? And you just have to have human connection with your team. Just say like, hey, listen, I, you know, I messed up. It's not the way I want to show up. And that's okay. Yeah. It goes back to humility, which you definitely have a lot of. So I think that's something that's super admirable. And you are moving into another venture that I want to touch on a little bit before we uh, have you pimp yourself out. And I have like two last questions. What prompted the venture into Nanya, if I'm saying that right, wellness? I'm all about wellness. So I'm all ears on this topic. <laughs> so uh, name is Nanya, like Nanya Business. Okay. And oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, the concept is is that there's vagicils of the world. I'm still working on my pitch, so bear with me. But okay. the vagicils of the world, the products that I've always... I mean, I was like ashamed, which I like model my underwear now, so it's funny, but I was ashamed to buy tampons or like any yeah. like feminine wellness wash in my shower. It was just like... It was just embarrassing, right? Like people just assume that your vagina smells. <laughs> I was like, why is that the case? Yeah. Like why are these big things like with big marketing, like it's just, it's embarrassing as a woman. So you go to like Amazon or you hide them in the bottom of your, your bags, but you're still buying the products, whatever they are. So I came up with the concept of doing Nanya like business, a wellness line, which is everything to just take care of yourself. Um, Not necessarily medical, just like wipes, pH washes, depositories, and um, we're just branding it in a way that you can carry it. If you're, you know, a guy picked it up, he wouldn't even know what it is. It's just, it's sleek, it's pretty, and it can be a piece that you are proud to keep in your shower without it being this like big, what's wrong with you scenario. <laughs> so, I love it. I love yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, it goes well with what we are doing already as a brand and empowerment with women and products that are restockable. Um, also just getting out of fast, getting out of faster fashion. So I'm excited about that. My two final questions for you. The first one is someone's listening to this right now and they want to start a business or they're trying to spark that light bulb moment of what the business is. What would you tell them to do? first. I think you actually said it really well. The problem that you're trying to solve is probably not, you're not the only one with that problem. And I think that's a really interesting way of looking at um, like a concept if you're struggling to come up with something. Uh, I also think you really should figure out what you like to do um, because you're going to go absolutely crazy with how many fire drills you have in running a business and how you're going to have a lot of times where you're like, why did I start this? And really figuring out what you want to do and that you're passionate about it. Yeah. So that when you're in the lows, you could say, okay, no, like I, I still love what I do. I still have motivation to wake up the next day and do it again. 
I always sometimes say to like figure out the things that you don't want to do because once you figure out it's kind of like dating and I know we like briefly made a joke on this before we actually started the podcast but it's kind of like you got to learn what you don't want in someone before you really realize hey this is what I want so I think to your point yeah find a problem that you're trying to solve and a lot of times I mean so many people like test this on your friends and family and then see what happens that's what I did with the podcast like oh it was only my friends and family that were listening to it at the very beginning and then it started to catch wind and I was like okay I'm on to something now that it's gone elsewhere and you get that external uh, validation. What's one thing that you have learned about yourself that you didn't know before becoming an entrepreneur? Um, that I, I think I was never uh, actually that open to feedback previously to be an entrepreneur. And I think you kind of have to be very humble and take feedback well. Um, for me, I think that was why I was so successful so far in leadership and, and doing what I'm doing. So, um, I'm really proud of that and just being able to reinvent yourself when you want to, um, especially with your team and show up better. And you just have every day is like a new opportunity. So challenge yourself to do, to do that. I love it. And I want you, I'm going to be respectful of your time. I want you to pimp yourself out. So where can people find you? I always say this, but I'm going to put this in the show notes, but pimp yourself out. So where can they find you? Where can they find the awesome underwear? Where can they find Nanya Wellness? Give it to us. So uh, my Instagram is Elliot Ray and uh, booty bag. And I am on there as well. So booty bag is spelled weird. It has an A. So B-O-O-T-A-Y-B-A-G. I love that. And what you got to share the quick story on, I read about this and I was like, that is so funny of why you spelled it that way. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Basically, like, I grew up in Bay Area and yeah. 50 Cent and all of them. Long story short, booty had an A in it. And I didn't know that that was like not how you actually spell booty. But by the time I figured it out, I couldn't afford the proper URL. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to keep it. <laughs> and I was like, the A is silent. But now every time like I meet someone new, they're like, Boutet. <laughs> I was like, when did the A get like hard? You know, I was like, why are we giving so much emphasis on the A now? But anyway, it's actually pretty funny. And like, it used to be embarrassing, but now I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> maybe I, we'll remember how to spell it next time. I I, yeah, I love that. Someone asked me, they're like, well, why don't you buy it, the new one? And I was like, you know, too much character. <laughs> Might as well. And it's different. So I feel like it definitely stands out. And that story, had I never read about that or like you shared it, I would have had no idea. I thought you were doing that as like a marketing ploy because I do think it adds like an effort, an extra like umph to it. And I think translating it into like the online subscription service, like I don't know, it just, I feel like it flows so well. So you could easily pivot that and like rebrand that and be like, oh yeah, I had this plan the whole time and nothing to do with my lack of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's like literally my total experience with running a business. <laughs> to <Yeah. the> <laughs> You're like, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. And if I don't, yeah. well, I'll still figure yeah. it out. So here yeah, we are. It's yeah, there. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on. You were awesome to talk to you. The final question that I ask every single person on this podcast is Ellie, what are you grateful for today? Um, getting to wake up and do what I do every day for sure. Or just being able to make my own schedule. Um, I feel like I've been writing that down a lot. Just, yeah. 
Being a lot of gratefulness around um, entrepreneurship. Freedom is the, it's the ultimate goal yeah. there. So <laughs> okay. uh, I am going to say that I am always grateful for this podcast and coming into the studio, but I feel like this week I'm super grateful for my friends and family. It, you always know who your true family and friends are when they show up for you in times of trouble. So that is what I am grateful for. And thank you so much for being on this podcast. You were awesome. <laughs>